I am really grateful and excited about all the technology that we have. We can send documents to anyone, anywhere, pictures, movies. Uh, I can speak with anyone, anywhere in a video call, and I can have a whole bunch of people on that call. We're all used to that by now. And so the technology is really encouraging, but an e-card is not the same as a real card. I still like getting a hand-signed note in the mail from time to time. It's personal. I like cookies, just about any kind, but I really like homemade cookies. It's personal. It's different that way. There's a secret ingredient, a special touch uh, that happens uh, that way. Uh, it, it makes the difference between the mundane and the meaningful, uh, the normal and the exceptional. That's what making something personally does for you and me. Uh, for the next few weeks, we've got a new series that we're going to be bringing to you. It's called Make It Personal. And I'll admit, there are going to be times when you listen to that series and you're going to think, this is more like a seminar. I, I understand that. Uh, but we need to do this. And uh, I think we really need to do this because uh, for the most part, uh, I think a lot of people are in a COVID political cultural funk right now. And we need to start thinking about other people. Um, it's not that we've been selfish. It's not that we've all been focused on ourselves, but because of this funk, I think in some ways, to one degree or another, we're all uh, experiencing a kind of a depression. And I think thinking about others uh, gets us out of that. We're choosing to do something now rather than wait for the restrictions uh, to be lifted so that we can do everything. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who are afraid. And... Uh, there are some people who don't understand that kind of fear. But let me just tell you, this isn't the kind of fear that just goes away simply because someone says it's all over. And there are also a bunch of people who are angry right now. But that anger, I think, also results from fear. It's a fear of not knowing what's going to happen next. And anger and fear, uh, they're a part of who we are. But there's also something else that's a part of who we are. It's something that people who say that they follow Jesus, they are known by it. One of the guys who followed Jesus really closely, his name was John. John said this, there's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love casts out fear. It pushes it away. John wasn't finished. He had more to say about that. He said, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Here's how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. Here's what love is. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved and sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. Friends, since God loved us this much, we should also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. There are no restrictions over the love of Jesus. There just aren't. The love of Jesus can change our anger 
into peace. And the love of Jesus can help us overcome our fear. And if the love of Jesus can do that in us, and we know that it can, then the love of Jesus can do that in someone else. Someone that you know. Someone that you work with or live by. It can happen. But the love of Jesus, it's not like it's an emotional commodity, a trading card kind of a perspective. It's not like that. It's personally received, and it's also personally shared. Jesus showed us how to share that love. He personally touched people who were stricken with disease. He personally spoke respectfully to people whom others were considered to be scandalous. He personally met with leaders in the middle of the night that had questions about God. He personally played with children, and he personally died on a cross. It was personal with Jesus. So it needs to be personal with you and me. It just has to be. Now, we're going to do this over the next few weeks. We're going to learn how to make our faith personal with other people. And it's not just going to be an ideological thing. It's also going to be uh, with action items that we give to each and every one of them. This is going to be applied theology. It really is. There are going to be some things that each of us can do individually, and then there are going to be some things that we're all going to do uh, together. And for those of you who, are, who aren't coming uh, to the church, you're still at home and you're watching and, and you want to continue to do that, you're going to get to participate fully as well. We'd love to have you here, but you don't have to be here to do this. This is going to be a lot of fun for all of us. Um, uh, and, and you know, Having been isolated and uh, frustrated and aggravated and, and restricted and regulated for eight months now, maybe by doing this we can become rejuvenated and we can be spiritually refreshed and, and, and reoriented to helping people find and follow Jesus again. That's what we want to do. It's uh, the time of the holidays. It is, and we're used to making it personal along these lines. And so I think it's a perfect time to bring these kinds of things forward to illustrate how we're going to teach you to make this personal. We're going to take a look at a really well-known story of Jesus. It's the story of Zacchaeus. It's a story about how Jesus made it really personal when dealing with people. There's some important things that we're going to cover in the next few weeks uh, we, we're going to uh, help you to identify someone that communicates value. Identify them in a way that communicates value. It means you're going to be able to answer the question, what's my name? And we're going to address things that matter to someone. It means we'll be able to answer the question, what's important to me? Thirdly, we're going to uh, respond to someone in a way that replaces shame with hope. It means we're going to be able to deal with someone who says, do you know what I've done? And lastly, we're going to uh, help people believe in someone's potential to do good. It means we're going to be able to deal with the question, uh, uh, <clears throat> do you know what I'm capable of? I'm going to read the story of Zacchaeus. And while I read it, maybe you can pick up on those questions. Maybe you can pick up on the principles. See if you can. Follow along with me. Luke chapter 19, starting with the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man named Zacchaeus lived there. He was a chief tax collector and was very rich. 
Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. He wanted to see Jesus who was coming that way. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this. They began to whisper among themselves. He said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of what I own to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount I took. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The Son of Man came to look for the lost and save them. Now, the first thing that we said we wanted to do to make it personal was to uh, identify someone in a way that communicates value, to be able to answer the question, what's my name? That's what we want to do. In the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus comes to the spot where Zacchaeus is, and he calls Zacchaeus by his name. That was really significant. People were wondering why in the world Jesus would know a man like him. Now We're going to get to that a little bit later. But for now, I want us to understand that everything that we do here at Crosspoint, everything that we do supports the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. And making it personal, you know what that is? That's a strategy to help people find and follow Jesus. That's the point there. It's about knowing someone so you can invite them to your house, maybe to watch the services, not just on Sunday morning, but any day that they're available. Or maybe knowing someone so that you can invite them to come back, if you already have, or when you get ready to do that. That's what it's about. It's about knowing someone so that you can invite them. You can share their story, share your story. Now, you might think that knowing someone's name is really a basic thing. It's kind of a common sense thing. Uh, but you might be surprised how many people you know by, by face or maybe by what they do, and you still don't know who they happen to be. And if you don't know someone's name, I think you've really missed the point. And we will have missed the point of what it means uh, to make it personal. And it's more than, uh, it may be more frequent than you and I realize. Uh, I want you to look at this graphic. Look at this image. In this image, there's a picture of nine squares, and in the center square is a house. And just for the metaphor here, that's your house. So let me ask you, the people that live around you, do you know their name? Do you, the name, do you know the name of the guy that lives next to you? The couple that lives across the street? And maybe it's not your house. Maybe it's at work. Do you know the person that works across the, the hall? Do you know the name of the person that cleans up when you're leaving? You see, we might know someone by face or even by what they do, but we may not know their name. I want you to consider that a challenge to learn the names of the people that live around you, that work around you, just for starters. Carmen Farina was an educator in New York City for 50 years. She was born in the 1950s to parents who fled Spain 
during the Spanish Civil War. One day, her father received a postcard from the school that uh, uh, Carmen was attending uh, from her first year when she was a kindergartner. She, the card said, your daughter has been absent for six weeks. Now, Carmen's dad was really confused because he personally walked her to her class every single day. He walked into the school and said, why is it that you don't know my daughter is here every day? He eventually was able to speak with Carmen's teacher. And the teacher said this, Carmen doesn't speak English, so she does, I don't know how to say her name, and she won't answer to the name that I gave her. Can you imagine? That incident shaped her educational career. And when she was speaking to the National Association of Bilingual Educators, she said this, mispronouncing a student's name essentially renders that student invisible. Invisible. That's the significance of not knowing someone's name. God knows you. He knows your name. I know it's important that God knows your name, and I want you to know it's important that you know God knows your name. Psalm says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Jeremiah says this, Lord, you know me and you see me. That's powerful stuff. It's important that God knows you and it's important that you know God knows you. Uh, how you say someone's name, it can be either personal or it can be shallow. And we want to make it personal. We want to say someone's what, uh, name, as we said, in a way that communicates value. Shan, what do you mean by uh, communicating value? How are we going to do that? I'm, I'm going to tell you. There are three simple things that you can do to communicate value when you say someone's name. First, say it out loud. Say that name out loud. It'll help you remember. Uh, and, and, and saying someone's name out loud immediately communicates that their name is worth remembering, which means they are worth remembering. Say that name out loud. Secondly, pronounce the name correctly. Pronouncing someone's name correctly means uh, that you're communicating right away that they matter and their name matters. It's significant to that. Now, if you say the name wrong or you get the name completely wrong, you're going to remember it. And here's an interesting way to illustrate how you will never forget that it's important to remember someone's name. Sarah. Huh? What is God's name? Howard. Who? Howard. Howard? How do you know his name is Howard? Because what? Our Father is in heaven. Howard be thy name. Who? Howard be thy name. Howard be thy name? Howard be thy name, right? Isn't that funny? I know you're never going to forget that. So say the name out loud. Pronounce the name correctly. And then lastly, discover the story of the name. 
There's a story behind every person's name. It's the structure of their identity. For instance, my name, Shan, when, when I introduce myself, I always, it's, I know it's a little different. And you know what? I've gotten Shan, Sean, Shane, and, and more than a few times, I've actually gotten Stan. I, I really have. So uh, it, it does matter. You know, my first grade teacher, she uh, uh, was confused because Shan actually isn't my first name. It's my middle name. And so the teacher was confused. She actually called my parents and told them that she didn't want them to call me by my middle name anymore. And she recommended that, she, uh, uh, that they stop doing that and they call me by my first name so she wouldn't be confused. And yeah, that went over really well. You can see. So it's just stories like that. Uh, maybe it's the story of how someone got their name. Or maybe it's that common story that maybe we've heard. My name is James, but people actually call me Jim. That's the story behind the name. Discover the story of the name, because it really does matter. Knowing someone's name is the beginning of making it personal. That's where it starts. And we want to make it personal so that we can help them find and follow Jesus. Learning someone's name matters. It matters if you say their name. It mattered to Zacchaeus because Jesus said his name. It matters how you say someone's name. It mattered to Zacchaeus because Jesus wasn't supposed to know his name and he said it well. And it matters why you say someone's name. It mattered to Zacchaeus because Jesus wanted to be with him. We want to say the names of people who think that nobody remembers who they are. We want to say the names of people who think that they don't matter. And we want to say the names of people because we want them to know that God knows who they are. Because it just might be that Jesus wants to go to their house also. God, thanks so much for knowing who we are. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for loving us. Even though sometimes we're not really lovable. Even though sometimes we don't deserve the blessing. God, you still love us and bless us. And we're so grateful. God, because we know that, help us. Help us to not dismiss this as something that doesn't matter because it does. Lord, we're, we live in a world that just yells all the time. Help us to listen to others and hear their names. Help us to love them so that we can show them your love. Help us to say their name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.